Farmers today are facing rising costs, volatile markets, and extreme weather. The Better Way to Farm podcast digs into strategies to help you take control of farm inputs and maximize profit so your farm can thrive for generations. Remember to take advantage of our free resources at abetterwaytofarm.com. Now, from America's Heartland, here's your host. We have a fantastic episode for you lined up, one that to me is uh, a very big deal dealing with very small nutrients. We've got the fearless leader sitting next to me. Uh, We're going to discuss micronutrients, their interactions and their reactions to different things that, that may be causing you stress in your operation, or maybe it's one of the things that you haven't even thought about before And hopefully with this information, you can do what we say, increase yields and increase those profits. So let's welcome to the episode my good friend and my mentor, Mr. Rod Livesey. Rod, thank you very much for joining me today. I'm excited to talk about this topic on micronutrients. I appreciate that, Tyler. Thanks for having me here and working with me, helping me out. I'm excited to do this, and I love working back and forth with you. And we're just going to dive in here, guys, because what prompted this is I'm I'm looking – at the industry, I'm, I'm seeing all these ads for, you know, this bug in a jug, that bug in a jug, this plant growth regulator, all of that is really sexy, you know, and sexy sells. Let's let's be honest. And we all love the next big new thing, the next big new thing, you know, and, but I equate it to sports. You know, the, the next new big thing is great and it's fun and trick plays are wonderful. But, it, you know, we're going to watch Caitlin Clark. Yes. Break that record. Yep. And it isn't sexy and it isn't new. She's just better at the fundamentals. Yeah. She can do a deal where she acts like she's going to dive into you with her shoulder, take a dribble and back up yep. and sink a 40 foot three pointer. Yep. I wish I could sink a 40 foot three pointer. <laughs> okay. But the fact is, she has mastered the fundamentals. And I think yes. in all of life, if we stop trying to run trick plays, and master the fundamentals, it would get better. And specifically, the last thing that I saw that really tripped off on this, Tyler, and got me wound up was coming up last night, I was listening to something, and somebody was wanting to to sell oxens. You know, it's a a natural occurring plant plant (laughs) hormone, hormone, right? Right. And so, and they're important, don't get me wrong. But the bottom line is, over the next 10 years, Tyler, would you agree with me that in the next 10 years, we're going to learn a lot about the importance of micronutrients and it would have nothing to do with the plant, but have everything to do with the soil and the bugs? 100%. And and the scary thing is, is that you talk about that as if it's in the future. But one of the things we both know, because I've been here for almost 10 years, you've been here since the start of A Better Way to Farm. (laughs) We've talked about this for years and years and years. This is not new information to us. It blows my mind now that I know that people come out and say, hey, you know what? Maybe we need to work about the balance of the soil instead of worrying about trying to shove all this stuff through the plant. You know, and and I look at it, I'd like to tell you that I'm a genius. I'd like to say I'm the smartest guy (laughs) in the room and I figured this all out. I figured it out, but I figured it out by reading. A lot of what we're going to share today, a lot of what we talk about, Tyler, was discovered in the 50s and the 60s. <laughs> yes. I mean, as old as I am, this information's older than me. Yep. But it has not been utilized. You know, and it's funny because they say that knowledge is power. And that's an absolute lie. Implementation of knowledge is power. Yeah. And if we don't implement it, it's wasted. And so 
I look at all of the stuff that's out there. And in particular, I'll start with the auctions because that's what got me fired up and got me started and on this, this route. And auctions are important. They're plant hormone that create growth. But we also know that adequate zinc, proper amounts of zinc, greatly <laughs> improves your auction production. Yeah. So why do I want to be zinc deficient and suffer the yield loss that comes with that whilst simultaneously trying to buy an auction that I could produce naturally. And I think over the next 10 years, we're going to see more and more information come out about not that micronutrients are important for yield, but the micronutrients are important because they feed the bacteria, the bugs in the soil. Yes. And I don't know, Tyler, do you know the number of bugs that's in a tablespoon of soil? Do you yes. that number? Yes, it's over it's over one million. I wanted to to talk about that and we'll have to talk about that in a little bit. Our our new I don't know if we want to debut that on the podcast, our new business venture that, that we're I, creating. You know, I, I think Tyler, <laughs> this would be a great time. Let's talk about yeah. uh TNR. Yeah. And I actually said that wrong. I have to take that back. I think I said over a million, right? Yeah. I actually meant over a trillion, one trillion uh, bacteria per teaspoon of soil. Now, before you tell them about our new company that they can follow and we're going to get pretty excited about, but before they do that, talk to us about how many of those have not been named yet. Oh, a lot of them. We don't, <laughs> Most know, of we them. don't know what they are. Yes. We don't know what they do. Yep. And what we really don't know is how when we put some other PGR or we put some other, you know, bug in a jug in there, how's that going to impact the bugs that we already have? Yeah. And that's one of the things that we need to think about. But let's talk about yep. TNR Enterprises here <laughs> and what we're going to do, buddy. Yeah. So I was out soil sampling, happened to be after uh, one of these two-day fundamentals of agronomy events we happen to be at right now. You do an excellent job of motivating people to do things. And one of the customers, the the lovely family that was there said, hey, you know what? If we're going to be new clients, let's go ahead and take a look at a soil test. So I was out there, we were talking, and, and I had a thought. And what my thought was this. I know that in one teaspoon of soil brings over a trillion bugs just in that little teaspoon. As, and as I was augering up soil and putting you know a pound of soil, pound and a half of soil in a soil bag, it hit me and I thought, you know, if I take a teaspoon of soil and I expertly and, and craftily mix it, slurry it in a gallon of water solution, I now have a over a trillion bugs in a gallon solution. So we came up with a rate. You don't you don't need to use a whole gallon. That's preposterous. Why would you use a gallon of a product? So we backed the rate down to four ounces, mm-hmm. four ounces of our new product is going to contain over 31 million bacteria per acre in that little four ounce rate. So we just use four ounces of this slurry per acre. We get 31 million bacteria. Uh-huh. And uh, guys, that's a lot of bacteria. I think, Tyler, we can probably let them in on this, what, 21, 22 bucks an acre? Today only. If you are listening to this podcast episode, we'll do $20 an acre. Act today. <laughs> yes. you know, obviously, guys, we're being tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> But our point is this, there are products coming to market every day and they're saying, we got this many bugs, we got that many bugs, we got 31 million bacteria. And we just showed you how it is that we can truthfully sell you 31 million bacteria per acre. Tyler and I will have basically nothing invested other than the jug. You are going to get 31 million bacteria. But the question is, and this is why we want you to ask, why? Why am I going to use this? You know, what is in this that's going to make a difference? Why do I want to do it? 
And we want to be real cautious. Let's get back into the micronutrients. Mm -hmm. And we would sell that for 20 an acre. That part we're very serious about. <laughs> um, a little, little profit here, a little, little profit center on the podcast day. But yes. no, you know, and I, I look at all these things we're going to learn, the things that we already know, but, you know, mycorrhiza. We are seeing people selling mycorrhiza. You know, and I got a good friend, Jim, who has, he has taken it as his life's mission this winter to study mycorrhiza and they're hugely important, hugely important. As a matter of fact, the amount of things that they do is probably not completely understood yet. And I will tell you that he is just digging out information every day and I appreciate him for what he does and, and the information that he brings, but he has done some study and, and he saw how important these are. And guys, here's the deal. Can you buy mycorrhiza and apply it? Yes, absolutely. Will you get a response? Probably, absolutely, probably will. But let's talk about two things. Let's think about what else are we putting in the row that's harming the mycorrhiza. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I do want you to think about how everything has an effect. Tyler, what do you want to say? Yeah, I'm chomping at the bit to say this. And again, we don't need to name names or anything like that. But I just, you just got to think as you're listening to this and what Rod said. He said, especially as you look at furrow and how important mycorrhizal fungi are to the water holding capacity, nutrient uptake capacity, all the things that are vital to a successful high yielding crop. We know that it's a fungus, all right? And if we put something in furrow right there where that seed germinates, where we have to form associations and where we need the most nutrient uptake, think about that fungus and something that you may add in furrow as a something aside <laughs> that, that is going to kill that fungus. I just do not think as a part of the team, as, as an independent agronomist, as a certified crop advisor, I really, really, really struggle making the recommendation of putting a fungicide in furrow. I'm very, very bothered by it. You know, it's interesting you bring up Jim. We both picked up our phones because we both have fantastic conversations with Jim and the amount of information that he has picked up just recently just on mycorrhizal fungi has been astronomical. Yeah, for instance, mycorrhizal fungi can supply up to 80% of the phosphorus, and we knew that. We've known that phosphorus was a big deal. What I didn't know that he learned is that 25% of the nitrogen can come from those, 10% of your potassium, 25% of your zinc, and 60% of the copper that a plant needs can all come from the mycorrhiza. Adequate numbers are important. Mm -hmm. And doing anything that suppresses them makes us really nervous. And that includes some of the tillage practices, some of the things we put in the furrow. But let's go another way. Let's say, let's just assume, Tyler, that I have suppressed mycorrhiza numbers. I could go buy mycorrhiza, although yeah. the problem is there's about 150 species, as I understand it. <laughs> and how do I know which one is the most important? My question to you, Tyler, is what if I told you there's one micronutrient you could apply that would encourage the mycorrhiza to flourish? Do you think that'd have value to the grower? I feel like it would, but I feel like, Rod, that probably to find the right product at the right rate using the, the, like the right source, like a, a good plant-available product, it's going to take time and a soil test, especially a good soil test. Yep. We, know, we know that there are bad soil tests out there and it's just a lot of work. So why can't I just sell a jug of something that's going to fix all your needs? Boy, that'd be nice. I wish you and I could invent that product because we'd be living <laughs> somewhere where it's really nice on a beach. But, uh, you know, the, the thing is, Tyler, 
Yeah. And I want to hear just a shameless plug. We have the webinar that we did mm-hmm. on soil testing. Yes. And I would encourage people, if you want something to do, reach out and say, hey, I want to see the soil testing webinar. Karen will hook you up with a link and yep. you can go see that soil testing webinar. And there's great value in that for you. We had several hundred people watch it. We had, I don't know, over a hundred people reach out and say, hey, I've been making a mistake. Help me here. Yep. But you know, the bottom line is when we soil test, we're talking about boron. Okay. Boron is a micronutrient that is known and has been known for a long time, Tyler, to make mycorrhiza flourish. Yeah. If we have adequate boron levels, we have a much greater chance of the mycorrhiza flourishing. Now, in addition to fixing the mycorrhiza situation, it provides a yield increase. But my question is, should I spend my money on mycorrhiza or should I spend my money on boron <laughs> and make the mycorrhiza flourish and simultaneously get an increase in yield? Because why? Because boron is important for bloom. It's important for pollen. It's important for silk. It's important for nitrogen utilization. There's a whole lot of things in there that boron does. And so having that in there now, you talked about the right product, the four R's, while I feel like they have been battered around and beat up like a, a stepchild, the fact of the matter is they're important, but we got to actually embrace them. We can't give them lip service. Yes. And for whatever reason, Tyler, as we look across America, using our product has made a big difference. No one has come up with a product to me that equals the results from our complex boron. Yeah. How about you? No, I would completely agree. And, you know, we were preparing for this episode. One of the things that comes to mind, again, I've I've talked about it in the past, is that I used to be the co-op agronomy sales specialist, right? The ASS of the (laughs) co-op. And you think about the things that I used to do. You know, we we had a a product, Rob, that was an all-in-one, right? Oh, my gosh. You need a little bit of zinc and a little bit of manganese and a little bit of boron. Well, the problem is that your fields are different than my fields. And if we go out there with a quart of this product, maybe we're putting on something that that could be detrimental. Maybe we're not getting enough boron into the mycorrhiza. Maybe we're not helping that out. Maybe we're applying too much. And now all of a sudden our zinc levels are off the charts and now we're starting to damage some of the crop, the, the nutrient uptake. Because again, it's not about addressing limiting factors, but we've got to make sure that we don't go above and beyond because then we create toxicities and we still then create an additional tie-up from something else. What was it as Mulder's chart, right? Is that the nutrient chart? That- the, the ball of interaction. Yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny because our good friend Scott's here from South Dakota. And if you go very far north of him, those guys just run into huge iron deficiency problems. Yeah. You know, they have iron chlorosis, they fight it bad. I live three hours south of where we're setting today, two and a half, and I have iron levels that are so high, it's incredible. Yeah. And I say that because the guys who are north of Scott, if they do that, it's a it's a mixed program, a, a mixed bag. You know, it's got four or five different micros in it. They put it on, they don't get near enough. Mm-hmm. If I use it at home, I cut my yield because I've got so much iron in my soil that I'm already battling that. Yep. And, you know, and you look at those interactions, we know there's a a ratio between manganese and iron that needs to be there. And it should be about one to one, one to 1.5, maybe one to two. Yep. You know, and I looked at mine before I left last night, it's one to 12. For every part of manganese that I have, I have 12 parts of iron. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to uh, see how that all works. And, and guys, I'm not going to get into all those ratios today, 
I had a great conversation with Cam about those yesterday. And Cam's up at Iowa State. North of us here just a little bit. And he was just talking about, you know, trying to get all those ratios down. And guys, here's the thing. And I think about micronutrients, well, in all ratios, most of the time, Tyler, it is not going to be cost effective to fix the ratios in the soil. Right. But it's easy to farm around. Yeah. You know, my manganese iron ratio is terrible and it's always going to be terrible. Yeah. But I can go put on six pints of manganese and effectively farm around it every year. Yes. Right? You yes. agree with that? Absolutely. You know, you know, boron, talk to us. Are these guys ever going to fix their boron levels? Will we ever see boron levels sufficient in the soil? No. And the and the crazy thing is, is that, again, one of the struggles I've heard from other growers that do, you know, pay to play in these different groups and do all this stuff. And they do talk about how important boron is, but they just say, oh, you need to apply as much boron as possible or do this or do that. Well, what we know about boron is just like nitrate nitrogen, it leaches through the soil. It's negatively charged. You cannot get a negatively charged ion to stick to a, a negatively charged ion. The ground is called the ground because it's negatively charged. Denny used to say that all the time. And, and I used to love when he would say that. The other problem with boron is is that not only is it negatively charged, so it'll leach through the soil, it is also immobile in the plant. So when the plant takes it up, it only takes up what it needs at that given time, and that's it. So if you go out and you apply 100% of your boron needs as the planter rolls or, or maybe early season wide drop or something like that, you're still not going to get adequate boron uptake when it's important. You know, Then you look at the cellular level. Not only in the soil is it good, um, but, but at the, at the plant tissue level, now all of a sudden you need boron for things like flowering, silking, pollination. You've got to have adequate pollination in order to increase yield. You've got to have adequate boron levels in that plant in order to do that. And so we always recommend if you're looking at boron, you've got to figure out exactly how much you need. This isn't a, you know, guessing by golly, I think I need a court here and a court there. You need to figure out when you need it and how much you need. And those are the things that we are doing. Can you go out there late season, put on a quart of boron and have some luck? Yeah. You know what? I hate to say it. <laughs> Even a co-op agronomist can make that recommendation and be successful most of the time because they ultimately understand what's happening in the background. It, you know, it, it's bobbing for apples. You don't throw a bunch of apples out in Lake Michigan and expect to go get them. But if you make that bucket smaller and you use the same amount of apples, guess what? The chances of success go up. And that's the biggest thing is that understanding how we can be more successful doing these things. You know, and I come back to, we're trying to talk about bacteria and the interaction. So I apply a quart of boron and I do get a yield increase. Yeah. Beyond the shadow of doubt, I'm going to get a yield increase, right? But the problem with that is, is I've had inadequate boron all the way through because I probably went on somewhere around V12 or R1 uh -huh. or R2. Yep. Yeah, it's going to get me some yield increase. But the fact is, I've hurt my mycorrhiza number because they couldn't flourish because they didn't have the adequate boron. Yep. That's why having it, the four hours are important, right time. You yes. know, need some early, need some mid, need some late. Yep. And so that, that right time is right there. Well, Tyler, I don't want to berate this. I, yep. I, you know, guys, there's so much we could do on this, but we're not going to make this a real long podcast. You can look for some stuff in the future. And quite honestly, Tyler, talk to us about how they could spend two days of their life and come and take a deep dive on this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely, Rod. We get the pleasure to do this throughout the winter months. We get to sit down. We're in Ankeny, Iowa right now. We've got over 70 people, 70 new growers in the room that are wanting 
to improve yields or increase profits, or maybe do both. I, I just always ask, w- would you be opposed to just reaching out? Would you be opposed to come and spending two days with us so you can learn how to increase your yields or increase those profits? We are, however, running out of time. We've only got a few of these left. So please, 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 if, if you're feeling that urge, reach out. We're going to be back in Omaha. We have some time left to get to one of these meetings. Be quite honest with you. I have a gentleman in the room right now from Oregon said, you know what? I want to meet the team. I want to be there. I'm going to do it. Had another gentleman because of the snowstorm wanted to come in. He was in Pennsylvania. They got like anywhere from four feet to 10 feet of snow, (laughs) not inches. They got feet. And he said, look, I just can't make it. So guys are willing to go to these meetings because of the information that we're giving away. It's not about buying a bug in a jug. Now, if you want to buy the best bug in a jug, Rod, we got that for you. You know, we do, but it brings me to this point before you finish up, Tyler. I'm all for that. It's the last thing we reach for. It comes back to fundamentals. It comes back to Caitlin Clark and what she's going to do. She shoots better than anybody else. Absolutely. And we're going to use bugs in a jug or we're going to use plant growth regulators. We got them. We've got those. They're good ones and they work but they're not the first thing we reach for, Tyler. They're the last thing. We fix all of the NPK. We fix all the secondaries. We fix all of the micronutrients. And let me say this, guys, kind of a a left turn here. I'm going to toss it, Tyler. But calcium, guys, is everything. Mm -hmm. Bugs (laughs) flourish in the proper pH with adequate calcium. Yes. I'm not going to go off down that today, but guys, fix your pH and fix your calcium, and they may not be the same. I interrupted you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Before I finish and wrap this up, I'm going to reiterate what Rod said and say it a little different because we were just at a meeting a couple of days ago. Guy said, hey, look at my soil test. And I did. His pH was under six. I said, you've got to fix that first. And he goes, oh, no. Yep. I totally get it. I'm going to fix that. But now what can I do? I said, fix your pH. That is it. I don't sell lime, but you know what I do sell? The right answer. <laughs> We know what's right for you. Just take that high quality test. Come check out what we have to offer. And we thank you very, very much for tuning into this podcast. Rod, thank you very much for being here. If you're open to, if you're not opposed to spending two days with us, reach out to us and we'll see you at the next two days of fundamental of agronomy programs that we've got. Rod, as always, we hope that you have a better day. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.